Hi, I'm Zelina Khan, and this is Next, a Transperfect podcast about business, technology, and the future. Today's episode is all about privacy, data security, and the world of transformational governance. We have Ruth Hausworth, Special Counsel and Director of Litigation and eDiscovery Services at Cooley LLP. We also have Transperfect Legal's very own Andrew Neal, President of Information Security and Compliance Services, and Al Kareem Makani, Vice President of Consulting and Information Governance. Let's start with getting a quick summary of everyone's background. Uh, Can we start with you, Ruth? I started as a litigation associate, and my career has um, focused on the intersection between law and technology. I was the uh, assistant dean for law and technology at the law school at Santa Clara University in 1998. I then came back into my capacity as a counsel at Cooley and have been overseeing our um, e-discovery and information governance practice. I also teach e-discovery law at the University of San Diego School of Law. And um, you're busy, Ruth. You're just very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, if you please, can you tell the listeners about yourself? Sure. So I joined TransPerfect six years ago to work in the forensics team. I advanced from manager to director to eventually division president over the uh, the forensics unit. And then about a year, year and a half ago, uh, we decided to spin up a information security and compliance consulting group um, at TransPerfect. So I took on that challenge. And so I spend my time helping our clients uh, navigate data-centric issues related to security, privacy, and compliance. Last but not least. Thank you. I'm TransPerfect's Vice President of Consulting and Information Governance. So I have a background in practice. I was a litigator for about 10 years between London and Hong Kong. Um, And a lot of the cases that came across my desk had heavy electronic information components. Came across to TransPerfect three years ago and advise on for a variety of different clients. We got a lot of experts today. Okay, so don't judge me, but I uh, recently signed into my Pinterest account, which I haven't used in quite some time. No offense to anyone that is Pinteresting. But as soon as I logged in, I was hit with a message to read their new privacy policy and um, and accept. So I've noticed this across many, many sites that I've been on, you know, in the last couple of months. And, you know, I kind of got to thinking, like, what, what happened if I just said no? Well, first of all, what happened if I actually read the thing? And then what would happen if I said no? For, from, from my perspective, a lot of that has to do with the degree of digital engagement that the company whose site you're getting into has chosen to take. Some companies you say no and they say, you can't use our site. Others, you may get a limited version of the site. And then still others have decided to, to make that an engagement point. And so they offer to kind of walk you through why they're asking you for that permission. But those those warnings are, are basically uh, caused by things like GDPR um, and uh, California Privacy Act that require people to be notified of how their data is going to be used. So what's happening now that the GDPR dust has settled? From my perspective, what's happening is people are kind of uh, – looking at their privacy programs on a little bit broader scale. This year, people are starting to say, you know, look, we we have all these privacy regulations out there. 
um, we can't just keep throwing budget and time at each one as it comes along, we better figure out a, a, a bigger overall strategy for how our company is going to deal with personal data. Yeah, I think it was a, a rude awakening for a lot of companies that given the amount of press that it's had, uh, companies, GCs, data privacy officers, you know, they've all now become the norm. Um, and it's gone from something of a, a budgetary and commercial annoyance to maybe a piece of regulation uh, that corporations realize they should have been following in some way, shape or form more closely. Yeah, I think it's changing the way that consumers and individuals interact and engage with the wider world. So how does the way an organization collect, use, and store data impact the user itself in terms of GDPR and other privacy regulations? So, you know, what we're seeing with, um, you know, just at a very high level is a combination of two forces, uh, the proliferation of data and the proliferation of regulations about data. <clears throat> so people have, have way more data today than they, they've ever had before within their organizations coming in from all different kinds of places. On the other hand, uh, there's now far more regulations, uh, both globally and locally, for how you can use data and how you can use certain kinds of data. It just depends on what industry we're working with at the moment. So those two forces, having a lot of data and then having a lot of regulations about that data, are causing people to look at their data problem from a slightly different angle. So the, the question is, how do you deal with it? And we've kind of um, taken what we call a transformational governance approach to this, which is um, coming up with a unified strategy that identifies all the data stakeholders and creates a, a collaboration so that people can, can use the data, protect the data, and, and exercise rights with regard to the data, all within the same strategy. Yeah, and not I'm um, just to pick up on that. Not all data is of the same value. Not all data is the same level of risk, and it requires sort of a, a stepping back and an assessment. And it's really hard to do because of the pace at which technology changes. And not only are we accumulating a lot, but we it's living in a lot of different sources and in a lot of different applications. And it can be a really, really overwhelming challenge to try and classify and categorize and label all of it. Uh, and so this is where I think the transformational governance, I love that term. I often talk about it as sort of approaching it from an integrated, uh, from an integrative perspective, where even within an organization, how an organization creates and uses data within different parts of the organization. I usually talk about it from sort of a harmonizing approach to how different policies work within an organization. And it's really easy to say, but it's really hard to do. But it's also, there's a lot of really exciting work going on with technology to help um, organizations tackle this challenge. What are some of the things people can look out for, especially, you know, when relating to third-party vendors' use of um, their data? We've seen organizations have to deal with this from a number of different ways. So the obvious one is the impact of regulation like GDPR. And um, Andrew and his team have done some work around data mapping. And that sounds like a very simple concept. But actually, no, that, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> but that in itself um, 
just getting a handle on where information actually is. I think we used to, when we were doing the consulting piece, we would ask the the leadership of a, a big company, so C-suite management, whatever it was, to sit down and give us what they thought their data map looked like. And sometimes they'd consult with IT, sometimes they wouldn't. And whichever way it was spun, I mean, at best, you know, they were maybe 60, 70% accurate on their perception of what their data was. At worst, it was like 10, 15%. And then all of a sudden, an, an entity, a company realizes that that data, firstly, is not well protected. And so the whole regulatory aspect kicks in. <clears throat> Excuse me. But from the other side, actually, there's huge commercial value in that data. And, and actually, if they organize it properly and they have a handle on where it sits and what it means and who's contributing to it, um, it might allow them some more efficiency on the commercial end of what they're doing as well. Yeah, what I love about the the point you made, um, one of the points about data mapping that I think is really helpful is it's knowing the data universe or environment that uh, footprint, there's all those different ways to look at it. But it's also looking at the use of the data from the perspective of the different parts of the organization. So if there's just sort of uh, rules and policies that are sort of, they try to be sort of one size fits all within the organization even, that can be very difficult on an implementation um, level, which is what you really care about at some at, in order for the policies or for your programs to actually achieve the goals. It's something kind of new because I think when you think back to the paper days, this was not something that was sort of top of mind. Um, you know, filing and the way, and where people stored things wasn't sort of a, a direct, it wasn't directly connected to sort of bottom line uh, issues that could affect an organization. Well, with data, that is, has changed dramatically, again, because of the amount and all the issues that we, we mentioned earlier. So I think that um, connecting it to the use and the purpose um, really matters because that's how you can um, make functional, you know, functional approaches um, that will actually have an effect on the organization in a positive way. Is there a strategic way that organizations can handle the multiple use cases for that data? You know, the idea is to create some guidelines um, so that people can do their job and to have stakeholder engagement to the point where you have a complete picture of what data means to the success of the organization. And, you know, keeping in mind that the stakeholders include outside parties as well, the data subjects, the you know, the, the third-party uh, partners that you may have, all these people have a stake in how you manage your data. But ultimately, the, the objective of spending this effort on identifying where your data is and what it means to you um, is to develop guidelines not to slow down your organization, but so you can go very, very fast. Um, Ruth, wh what percentage would you say of, of the cases you're engaged with from a discovery or, or regulatory inquiry perspective have some kind of shadow IT involved in them? Well, you know, that's, that's actually a really interesting question. You know, I can't speak it to one specific sector or one specific type of organization, but that, that, that issue of shadow IT or the other issue is sort of data in the wild where people just uh, within an organization, they just start using applications like free applications to communicate with each other. It's a challenge that organizations have um, to kind of figure out where where is data living within the organization 
to your point, shadow IT, um, but also sort of out in the wild where people can just download apps and start using them and putting, you know, where, where is information being stored and used. And so those are really challenging issues. Um, and, I, and I think the way that, that organizations can address that is to just start doing what you talked about earlier. Um, I, I think, Andrew, you said it uh, about, you know, or the data, you know, taking that project of the data mapping and looking at as with clear as clear eyes as you can where is data living and then making decisions about how you're going to manage that from a control standpoint that fits within the organization's culture and business and risk profile one of the the messages of a transformational governance program is that over time your business is going to change anyway you're going to be evolving how you deal with your clients. You're going to be embracing new technologies, uh, possibly getting into new service lines or, or stopping older service lines. So you use these transformations, whether you want to call it digital transformation or just evolution of your business, as a mechanism to help make sure you've got that you're doing the right things and that you're addressing the right areas. So you don't necessarily need to come in and do a spring cleaning and spend a whole lot of money to, to kind of put everything back in order, as long as you can put in place a plan, identify your higher risks, and as your business evolves, um, start shifting in the right direction. So as users, what are some of the ways we can recognize and control the value of the data that we have in our organizations? People need to know that you know there are, there are certain obligations um, with regard to the, the data that you're using at work. I mean, it's one thing to send somebody a text message uh, that says, hey, you know, time for lunch, where do you want to go? Um, you know, it's another thing to discuss um, uh, data about a sensitive client account over uh, text messages or WhatsApp or, or something like that, where you're basically creating a new business record um, that's out of bounds of where the company thinks its business records ought to be. So when we sit down with clients, we're encouraging them to to look at first what they think their business is, and second, how they're on a daily basis they're going about executing that. You know, people love accumulating data, but they don't like putting a life cycle on it. They don't like saying, "Here's when that piece of data should die." Um, and so, so you know, kind of helping uh, organizations understand their own internal business processes is, is one of the steps in this data mapping process. Do you foresee companies maybe even, like, they can't possibly reprimand their employees for not using the right channels, can they? So, I mean, without you know, giving legal advice on a podcast, yeah, um, I suppose... The, especially we can talk for, after this. Yeah, we can talk after, but... Um, there, there's a lot of internal resource where if you're not sure, ask the question. I think that's the, that's the big message that, you know, if the takeaway from today is that you are a little bit more concerned and you're a little bit more conscious about the way that you use your data and client data and how you operate on your day-to-day -day at work. So then how can companies unify their strategy around the data? Actually, that's a really that's a really tough one to, to address because it really depends so much on an organization. And I think the answer with respect to budget and what type of you know, the amount of resources that you have to put on this really will vary 
uh, tremendously based on the uh, individual organization, the industry, is it highly regulated, uh, risk profile, a variety of issues. But the other challenge that, I w that is that there's, depending on the life of the organization, if it's from the beginning, it's a great place to start and there will be um, huge ROI um, if you start off on the right foot with respect to sort of an overall, an overall data management approach. Um, but it, with uh, most organizations, they've been around for a while and they have to deal with the accumulation of the data that they've had from the beginning and what to do going forward. Technology is sort of the root of the, pro of the challenge. I don't like to say problem, but challenge. I think that there's a lot of really interesting technologies developing that are going to be helping organizations and uh, meet the challenge as well. And that's a really exciting development that probably could be a topic for another podcast. Um, but uh, I do think it's worth noting when you're talking about what type of resources and cost is there to try to tackle this issue of transformational governance. Tech technology can really be a part of that to help uh, make the process effective and efficient. Should small businesses even be concerned about this or is it irrelevant to them? Yeah, this, this is a real life issue probably for more companies than for the bigger ones. I mean, ones. yeah, probably even larger ones the too. The regulators made it very clear before GDPR came into force and the ICO have restated the message. This is not regulation to catch people out. The point is to give a layer of protection to what is now realized as an extremely valuable personal asset. And so the first step is, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to show for an organization that they're cognizant of their obligations. So to have done some work around where their data is and why they process it, what they're controlling, um, what the business use for all of that is, and then taking manageable steps within their budgets to change workflows, to take account of that in some way, shape or form. And, you know, the flip side of a startup or a smaller company is that they do have a degree of agility that bigger organizations don't have. And so, yes, I, I don't think there is the same expectation that they will have to spend millions and millions of pounds of a budget to put these processes in place but just showing some willingness and some understanding I, I can't speak for anywhere else but the information commissioner's office in england are pretty good about giving advice as and when required if they show the willing to do something and put things in place actually i think that they will see the benefits in one year in three years in five years well, you know, that's an interesting point to end on because I think that one of the things about this, you know, it really was records management at some level until the last several years. It's been ratcheted up because of the um, amount and the of data and the amount of risk um, involved when it's completely unmanaged. Don't let the uh, perfect get in the way of the good. Like, take steps and you can build on it. That's what, not to be cliche, but that's kind of how these things change for the better is you start looking at it, put resources on it and go and you can make progress. What What is next in information, information governance? What's next in transformational governance? What's, I mean, Ruth, you kind of talked about um, technology helping out and I mean, technology being a source of the problem, but also being part of the solution. 
Um, well, I, I think I, that that what we're going to to be seeing is is people increasing the the baseline increasing of people's sophistication about how they interact with data. So or, whether it's organizations or you as an individual person uh, are going to increasingly become more aware of what data means to you, uh, the risks around data, the obligations around data, and, and what uses you can put it to. I think we're gonna see an increasing sophistication and that's gonna drive um, technology, that's gonna drive technology tools, and it's gonna drive behaviors. I think there will also be a lot of press around GDPR related fines. Um, last Friday, I think it was, Google received a 50 million euro fine in Paris um, from an action that was started on the 25th of May last year itself. And so I think there will be an awareness that's forced upon the communities at large by big decisions like that. I think actually society will also have a much better awareness and understanding of data through decisions like that. Wow, that was really heavy, but really helpful as well. I know I'll be more conscious of how I communicate and exchange data moving forward with colleagues and third parties alike. Thank you, Ruth and Andrew and Al. This was super informative. If you want to learn more about Andrew Neal and Al Karim Makani and the work they're doing for transformational and information governance, feel free to reach out to them at transperfectlegal.com. To those listening at home, at the office, or on the go, we have new episodes coming out each month. Make sure you subscribe with us wherever you get your podcasts or head over to nextpodcast.transperfect.com or email us at nextpodcast.transperfect.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't be afraid to hit the like button or leave a review. Be honest, we can take it, but be nice too. This podcast was brought to you by Transperfect Global Business Solutions, produced by Ulrich Burke, and special thanks to Dave Salerno, Nick Trinidad, and Shu Yi Lee. And I'm your host, Zelina Khan. Thanks for listening.